The presenting sponsor for Ego Check with the IDM is RPG Research. RPG Research is a 501c3 research and human services nonprofit, 100% volunteer run organization. They openly share and work with individuals and organizations from many areas of interest with the overall goal of improving the human condition through cooperative experiential learning programs using music and games. You can find out more information about RPG Research at rpgresearch.com. Once again, that's rpgresearch.com. This week on the pod, I'm joined by Adam Johns and Adam Davis of game to grow We are going to talk about their latest Kickstarter project, which is Critical Core. It is a kit, a tabletop role-playing game that's designed for children with autism, and it's geared to teach those individuals confidence and social skills. Their Kickstarter has already blasted past their target goal, and they are currently checking off stretch goals in the campaign that lasts for another two weeks or so. So you'll definitely be able to learn more about Critical Core Uh, Learn where you can find out more information online and uh, definitely back the Kickstarter if you're interested. Both Adams were previously on the podcast a few years ago. And so we build off of that conversation and really talk about the eight years of experience they've had working with children, presenting at conferences, listening to parents, listening to other educators, and how that has all been funneled into the Critical Core product. So it's a very exciting endeavor. I'm really excited for them, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. As a bonus, at the end of this episode, you are going to hear some musical stylings from another individual involved in this really uh, wonderful world of mental health and gaming coming together um, over the years. So back in January, Dr. Ryan Kelly, who was on a previous podcast that I hosted, we had several mental health providers talking about uh, video games. And so I got to know him as part of that. And at a convention back in January, uh, Dr. Kelly took it upon himself to, to write a song about yours truly and had posted that on Twitter. And I've been meaning to get it on the podcast at some point. And this seemed like the perfect situation since Adam Johns, uh, one of the gentlemen that you're going to be hearing here today on the podcast, uh, played drums on that tune. So stay tuned at the end of the episode because we're going to channel right into that performance, which is really quite special. I cannot really summarize it in any words that would do it justice. You're just going to have to hear for yourself. And um, if you do want to give a shout out to Dr. Kelly, you can find him on Twitter at Dr. R. Kelly and uh, let him know what to think about the tune. I think it was a very cool thing that they gave me a shout out from one of the conventions that they were all participating in, uh, which we talk about on the show. I, I really need to get to one of those uh, to meet up with all these great people who I've been chatting with on social media and here on the podcast. So stay tuned for that. And without any further ado, uh, let's meet both Adams as they talk about Game to Grow and Critical Core. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Ego Check with the IDM. I am your host, Michael Mallon. And today, joining me once again... 
Uh, they last were on the podcast way back in December 2016. At that time, they were talking about their work using D&D and role-playing games to teach skills to children, and things have developed quite a bit since then, so I'm excited to dive in. Uh, joining me is Adam Johns and Adam Davis from Games to Grow. Gentlemen, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Good to be back. Well, I'm glad to be here. And we are going to talk about your latest endeavor, the Critical Core uh, role-playing game. Is it fair, fair to call it a system? Uh, kit, maybe, kit. Is, is, is what we often like to call it. So Critical it, Core Kit. It's a tabletop game designed to help kids on the autism spectrum build social skills and confidence. You launched a Kickstarter recently that is... Uh, now doing quite well. Over $140,000 have been raised of the original goal of 48000 So you blasted through that very quickly. You have been traveling around the country to different conferences, talking about this game, talking about the work that you do with children. The hardest working men in showbiz over there. <laughs> yeah, so, it feels like it sometimes. That it is true. Like that. I, am, I am eager to hear about what it's been like since you hit the publish button on this and where things are going. So uh, let's dive in. Where is your mind right now? <laughs> oh, man. S swamped? My, my mind is a swamp? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's been a wild ride. So um, as you said, we launched our Kickstarter uh, pretty recently, and we were fully funded within eight hours. That's awesome. Which, Congratulations. Which was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. Was and the day before, we were... You know, we never know. We, we um, we've been doing this this work for eight years or so now, and we we always uh, wonder whether people know about us or care about the stuff we're doing. And so it's been really interesting and and um, validating to see the response to Critical Core. Uh, it's been really fantastic seeing the like support and the response from the greater uh, D and D community. We had a, a tweet by. Um, uh, what's his name? Matt, Matt, Matt Mercer. Yeah, I don't know. Matt Mercer shouted. Matt Mercer out. tweeted about it, and it was like one of those things where that's probably why we got funding in eight hours, <laughs> um, because the critters came out and they just came out in full swing and just really supported it, tweeted about it, Facebooked about it, and everything. So we it really launched us into that, and then we've gotten a lot of good, uh, good coverage. Uh, Greg Tito talked about it on the on his. Um, a Twitch stream, uh, the official Dungeons & Dragons Twitch stream. So we've gotten a, a lot of really good support from uh, the wider RPG community. And, and Shannon Germain's doing a stretch goal with us, which is fantastic. Uh, who you know, She's from Money Cook Games and, and developer of uh, No Thank You Evil. She's and, been a uh, guest on this show in the past. She's yeah. wonderful. She is, she's really great. So we're doing a, a um, collaborating on an um, adventure module with her. So we're really excited about that because I'm a big fan of her her uh, her work and, and excited to uh, see what happens when we when we make up a new adventure module. And then Jerry Holkins is uh, doing an adventure module with us too. So it's been a really fantastic ride so far. And for those who aren't on it, who are uh, without the information of what Critical Core is, what it means, if it's a kit, a game, how would you describe it to the uninitiated? Oh, yeah. So Critical Core is um, basically a take-home starter set for parents and teachers and therapists who've never played an RPG before. Um, really designed with like a slimmed-down set of rules specifically oriented for hand being able to hand it off to somebody who's never played or even seen an RPG um, to help get them introduced to it. But 
also a facilitator's guide and a module, uh, actually several modules, all designed for um, social skills outcomes, especially with individuals uh, who um, identify as autistic or who have spectrum-related um, challenges. And so we're really kind of boiling a lot of the work that we've done over, oh gosh, like eight years now um, in in the groups that we've we've done with with uh, previously Wheelhouse Workshop and now Game to Grow, um, and trying to get it into like a deliverable kit that we can get into other people's hands, really be able to hand it off to them and let them uh, run their own groups, even even at home, that help really promote social skill benefit and really help um, get people engaged in role-playing games for uh, um, growth. Excellent. And what are some of the strategies that you bring to bear in Critical Core? What uh, What are some of the techniques that you're using here? Um, so the the real foundation of Critical Core um, is is built from the work that we've already done. And there's there's a lot of strategies that are sort of built into it. Some of it is just um, facilitation strategies that we utilize. You know, Adam's Adam's background in education and his uh, work history has a, lo- a lot of working with younger kids and getting them to engage in an activity and and uh, really participate. Uh, he, he actually used to do tours at a, at a zoo um, and learned a lot of great strategies for, you know, how do you get a, a group of uh, eight-year-olds to, to pay attention when you're, when you're trying to tell them something important? And so a lot of the stuff in the facilitator's guide is actually stuff like that. Or how do you get a table to work together if there's conflict at the table? Or how do you um, uh, get somebody to engage if there's one person who is sort of distant or having trouble engaging and the other players at the table are are um, steamrolling them. Uh, so a lot of the facilitators guys really broken up into those kinds of tips and tricks. Um, but the foundation of the, of the work is really about um, connecting this to uh, what are called the FEDCs. And this is something that that um, we have uh, pulled from um, a model of therapy called DIR floor time therapy. Um, and the FEDCs are basically their functional, emotional, developmental capacities. And they're basically developmental levels not too dissimilar from like an Erickson-style uh, developmental level model, uh, but really much more open uh, to the idea that you may lag in one particular area of an FEDC and you can you can address that later on even though you may have moved on to other areas. So we see this a lot in in autism spectrum um, challenges where um, they may not uh, an individual might not have developed really great um, uh, communication emotional communication skills uh, but they still develop all the skills that are developmentally appropriate after that. Um, so the, we have an opportunity to link back and go, ah, now we can really think about their um, expression for their character. In this particular puzzle, you have to express yourself emotionally um, as a way of showing that you're particularly angry because you're standing in front of an audience and they need to see that you're angry. Um, so what does that look like? So a lot of the the pieces of um, the game are going to be linked back to these developmental levels and approaches to help basically – build those skills in a much more direct way. It sounds like the way the adventures are are written and structured is that it can be quite targeted given what the individual player or the group of players are attempting to learn. 
So we have uh, part of the the critical core kit. Uh, it's got the the rule set we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, but what it, the the main crux of it is this facilitator's guide and the module design. So the adventures that are included in critical core and that are uh, we're enabling and empowering uh, game masters to create on their own have a specific design where the encounters in the game are tied to these FEDCs or tied to some sort of other um, developmental outcome that that a facilitator may want to see from their their child, their student, or their their client, depending on where the facilitator is running the group. So that way, uh, every encounter is is aligned in such a way that the facilitator knows what the success criteria is and knows what to sort of encourage and uh, and reward in one way or another um, by by encouraging that sort of development. So um, it might be something like uh, getting past a guard, and, and in order to get past that guard, you have to exhibit some theory of mind skills and have a conversation with the guard about what his, her, or their uh, emotional state is in order to say, you look bored. Um, let me offer you this yo-yo, and then you can get distracted while I walk past you, or uh, you know something like that, where then um, in order to uh, the, the, get past that guard, you have to use that sort of... Um, uh, capacity that we want to encourage in a lot of our uh, young participants. Um, so it, it, uh, effectively, like you said, it is designed so that it, you can be really intentional with it, but it's also designed so that you don't have to be. We want to encourage, we want to uh, effectively offer the tools to people um, who have the training to be able to utilize this in a, in a um, therapeutic manner. So if you're a therapist and you're picking this up, um, we want you to use your therapeutic approaches. We want you to use your your um, modalities and, and your um, therapeutic uh, skills um, using this this kind of as a tool set. But if you're a parent, there's still lots to be gained by just sitting down and having a fun time playing through a game. Well, that where you have to my question is for for parents who are listening to this and have a, a child or two or more that they think would benefit from this. Is it going to be over their head if there's content they can't quite master or access, or is it really written for anyone to pick up and play? It's really written for anyone to pick up and play. That's actually the the big reason why we we created Critical Core was because um, since the last time we talked, Adam and I have done a lot of trainings uh, for therapists, for doctors, and uh, for teachers. And so in that time, we've uh, we were the keynote presenters at the Washington Association of Marriage and Family Therapy. Uh, we've spoken at the uh, Washington Play Therapy Association. We did a, a webinar, and a lot of the feedback we got from therapists and teachers and parents were that they were so excited about using some sort of role playing game like Dungeons and Dragons with their kids. But they, uh, they they thought that the, the learning how to play D&D was a big barrier to entry. So part of what we really wanted to do was create a simplified, stripped-down rule set that anybody could play almost right out of the box. That's for the participants, the players in the game, but also for the game master to remove the barrier to entry for game masters so that anybody can play with their kids. So the, the one of the three components in Critical Core is a simplified, straightforward rule set that is sort of an – uh, an entree and an entryway into uh, role-playing games in, in general. So that should be accessible to, to parents who might not want to get to the nitty-gritty of the facilitator's guide and and uh, how to specifically tailor it to kids in the autism spectrum. That can be totally um, ignored if they just want to play with their kids and just play a fun game. When I, I ran a game for four children last summer, and a couple of them are on the, the autism spectrum, and I know the just – Creating a character can be a little bit of a hassle. There's some kind of crunch involved in that and looking at different pages and index. And how does character creation work for Critical Core? 
It's actually a great question. So basically what we did was we largely took out character creation. Okay. <laughs> um, Problem part solved. Of, yeah, exactly. Um, we still have uh, the players create some backstory about their characters. It's actually um, sort of the technique that we use in the Game to Grow groups as well. We want players, when they come in for the first day, to jump right in and start playing. Um, character creation is a lot of fun once you're familiar with the game. But before you're familiar with it, it's really hard to grasp why why these things are important. Um, so with Critical Core, what we did is we it's all pre-made characters that are pre-designed. Uh, they even have uh, beautiful artwork to go along with each player character, um, and the players can jump right in and start playing that character, but the backstory of the character, the personality of the character, that's something they still get to make choices on. And they still get to, um, we have a, a section in there to basically guide them on making some of those choices with some very basic sentence frames. Um, uh, actually, uh, we, we use these same ones in our groups and they're basically, um, like, is your character from a big city or a small town? And what is the town or city that your character is from? What is it well known for? And it's those kinds of questions that give you a chance to flush out who your character is. Um, and so we want to build that part in while taking out all the mechanical difficulty of uh, of creating characters uh, like like a fifth edition character. But what really makes the game really spectacular is that because everything's built in a simplified version of the fifth edition rules, um, uh, fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, obviously, um, the uh, the whole thing will be transferable to fifth edition characters. Um, so even though all the pre all the characters are pre-made in in critical core if you do want to make your own character i'd fully encourage a player to pull out the fifth edition ha player's handbook make their own character and all of the rest of the modules and all the rest of the the real game design will will translate uh, pretty easily to to that fifth edition um uh, character and allow even a cross integration of uh, fully flushed out, fully custom made fifth edition characters right alongside the the um, more simplified and easy to easy to approach um, critical core characters. That's great because I know one of the you know roadblocks can be that that character creation people are excited. It's like okay, let me let me create my character, and then two hours later, it's like all right, let's play. <laughs> yeah, so. right. That's that's been one of the driving things that we when we've done consultations and we've trained our new employees and a lot of that is uh, the advice we give right away is get the kids playing as soon as you can because they don't know whether they want a high armor class or not because they don't know what that means so um, getting them getting them playing and then understanding once they get started um, they'll they understand a little bit more and then by the time they've they've played some uh, critical core they've gotten a sense for the flow of a, of a role-playing game the give and the take between the game master and the and the characters then they can translate the that new skill set to really any role-playing game critical core is really meant to be a an entry point into the wide world of role-playing so if they play critical core and then get excited about it they play with their families or with a teacher and then they learn how to play a role-playing game then they can take all that enthusiasm and go to a game store and part, part of what we want to do with our participants is empower them to interact with people and, and step out of their comfort zone a little bit. So if they can learn how to play Critical Core and then translate that and go to the game store and play Pathfinder, go to the game store and play uh, Call of Cthulhu, that's fantastic. That's exactly what we want from them because we're instilling them with a hobby that they can have for a lifetime that they can use to connect with other people. And one of the you know perhaps stereotypes about individuals on the autism spectrum is that there's a lack of social skills and how does Critical Core 
it sounds like there's definitely scenarios and techniques where it's geared towards teaching social skills, uh, teaching people to work together. What a, what's an example of that from from the game? Well, an important thing to remember about uh, the autism spectrum is that it is a spectrum, of course, and that uh, it, it would be uh, unfair to just to generalize too much about uh, the, the people with the autistic experience. So um, that being said, um, a lot of what we're, we're trying to do is reinforce uh, social interactions in a way that doesn't uh, try to tell anybody the normal way to behave and then and take people and put, put them into a, a a box and say, you have to act like I act. Your brain works differently than mine. I don't care. I want you to act like I act. Um, so it's really important that we um, let people be people and encourage them to connect with other people. We're, what we're trying to do is um, increase a, a tool set. Um, let people um, interact with each other the way that they want to, but to have a, gr- a larger repertoire of ways they can, they can interact with each other and to really enjoy the company of other people. We're trying to help um, people on the autism spectrum, especially young people, um, improve the capacity, their capacity to connect with other people through really a relationship-based and love-based interactions. Um, so to, to give you some like um, real examples of what that looks like in the game, um, right. we, we're we a big fan of uh, what we call sort of open-ended challenges, which are challenges where we've presented a problem but then are open to the opportunity for a solution. So we've built some of those into the game where um, the game master can really roll with the punches, but especially can encourage teamwork-oriented solutions um, in order to overcome a problem. Uh, So very early in uh, the very first module, which is called Little Town of Tusk, um, the players are forced to have to make their way through a door that's frozen shut. So it's a very simple uh, sort of open-ended challenge. What do you do when this this door in this place that you're trying to get into is frozen frozen shut and you can't can't open the door very easily? and then the the module piece is designed with scaffolding tools for the dungeon master to, to have an idea for the kinds of solutions that players could try and a set of instructions to basically inform them like if players work together towards a solution, you should always make that solution more uh, uh, easy to accomplish, easier to accomplish and, and a, a uh, more rewarded um, solution. So if they, you know, all bash the door with their shoulders together or one person sort of starts melt melting the ice on the door while another person pulls on it um teamwork oriented solutions where they're communicating with each other are going to be the ones that are going to be more successful within that within that the first person to shout out i throw a fireball at it right exactly (laughs) um uh and so the, the whole the whole thing is really set up to be um about not just not just the interactions with the npcs in the game but also the players at the table um, and, and thinking about how they're interacting with each other to continue to encourage uh, positive interactions between each other. This is perhaps a little afield, but as you're as you're talking about that, I, I think of playing with um, adults, and I think of my approach of it as a DM of almost setting up scenarios where individual players can shine. It's like I want to make sure the rogue has something to do. I want to make sure the cleric has something to do, and. It is sort of a 180 from that approach of focus on what everyone can do collaborating together. And I find that interesting. What, what, what do you guys think about that? I think it's important to have players have an opportunity to feel special. Um, and what's really nice about a game like Critical Core, Dungeons & Dragons, is that they're fellowship games where there's lots of different roles one can play. So the idea here is that someone can feel unique and special and feel like they're getting a spotlight, but they're getting that spotlight in service of the group. 
and they can do better when they have the help of others. So um, if the group is working together and the you know, cleric is healing somebody, the rogue is lockpicking, and in that encounter where they're all getting a chance to do what they do best, they're able to be more successful. That really highlights the uh, interdependence uh, that we're trying to encourage and then lets everybody feel special and unique within that interdependence. Um, so a great example, just just kind of building on the frozen door idea here, yeah. um, is is that if the, you know, if the barbarian you know comes up and just tugs on the door and can't quite get it open uh, with their strength roll, but then the barbarian can player can turn to the rogue player and say, hey, you should try picking the lock up, but I can I can be a little more successful if you if the lock was not if the door was not locked. Or hey, also wizard, use a, a fire spell to melt the ice while I pull and the the rogue is, you know, wedging the lock with the with a dagger or something like that. Then there's something really magical that happens when uh, you can recognize someone else for their abilities and for their opportunity for input um, in a really direct way. You feel the the rogue or the wizard, and, and that point when the barbarian makes that request feels included. Um, they feel like they're a part yeah. of the group, and they feel like they're an important part of the group. Um, and especially for socially isolated kids, or for uh, individuals who um, uh, really have struggled to build positive relationships and positive friendships, um, that's a huge step. That's a huge um, uh, opportunity for them. With your background and doing this for for so many people, do you see that build momentum in that direction? Say, if that happens once. Do people take more opportunities? Do the, do the players kind of learn that behavior? Absolutely. They, it, it feels really good when somebody says, hey, I need you. I need, I'm glad you're here. That's a really valuable and rewarding experience that, you know, you can't you can't tokenify that. You can't make that um, you can't. That's there's there's that's such a valuable intrinsic benefit of playing a game like this uh, that it really reinforces itself so naturally that um, we, we see a lot of, of young people like relying on each other and excited about each other um, that that wouldn't happen in a uh, classroom setting without that really um, magical feeling of a, a tabletop role-playing game. Yeah, that's also something that reminds me when, when I was playing the game over the summer, there was a, a, a scenario where <laughs> there was like a flaming octopus in a bar and <laughs> there's any number of solutions to this issue. But I had mentioned kind of offhandedly, I was like, oh, you know, there, there's a well in the middle of the town and the bar is a block or so away. And then the children were taking turns running to get pails from the well so they could put out the octopus instead of fighting it, which I thought was, I was like, okay, that's that's definitely a solution. <laughs> yeah, that's some creative problem solving right yeah, there. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm the the I like the setup of the scenario where there's a flaming octopus in a bar. <laughs> that already seems like a hilarious. Yeah, setup. it was, it was <laughs> an adventure. Uh, I think Festival of Magic. I think it's on the it's either Drive Through RPG or DMs Guild. Uh, that I think uh, at Brain Clouds on Twitter had uh, written. So mm. uh, shout out to that adventure. It was it's really a, a a good one for children if you're playing with with that uh, age group. I wonder with all these. Um, conventions that you've been at, because I imagine you're talking to a mix of educators, therapists, parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine you get a range of questions that are both fairly technical and also maybe a little bit from a point of, I don't want to say naive because I feel like it has a bad kind of connotation, uh, but maybe who are not totally familiar with role-playing games. What are sort of the themes that you get in terms of questions about um, critical core and about this whole approach? 
my favorite question is, how do you win? Yeah. <laughs> Which is, it goes to what you're talking about, about a, a lack of exposure of, of what the, the role-playing game structure is. And, and those are some, some great questions because I love answering with, everybody wins. <laughs> um, we win together when we create a story together. Um, that's, that's been the, the main thing that, uh, this this game provides a solution to a lot of problems uh, that people didn't necessarily know that they had. And that's been a really interesting um, realization for a lot of people that we talk to is a lot of people, um, you know, they're very familiar with using uh, active story based play therapy, social skills, enrichment programs for kids. But then they get to middle school and then. Uh, there's not as many things for middle school kids before they start going into, you know, discrete skill instruction. So um, when we when we tell people this isn't about discrete skill instruction, this is about, um, you know, building relationships and social capacities in a, a natural setting that reinforces social skills the way that, you know, we would learn them naturally. Um, that's uh, there's a lot of, of wide eyed sort of, oh, I, I get it now. I see what you're doing. Um, the, uh, the other question that, um, actually comes up a lot, especially from parent groups is, um, are there screens involved? Uh, which is again, sort of a, a opportunity to clarify what it really looks like. Um, and Adam and I have really enjoyed being able to talk in front of, you know, a group of therapists or a group of of parents or teachers, uh, who've never, ever seen a a role-playing game before and, and really get to describe a little what it looks like and, and maybe even, um, uh, we, we usually go into like a, a, a whole description of, of like, here's what the game actually kind of looks like um, to give them just a little a little hint of, of that experience and clarify some of the stuff like there are no screens. It's a social game where everybody's sitting at a table. Um, and I guess because we also speak in front of a lot of gaming audiences, um, one of the really just wonderful pieces about this is that whenever we talk in front of a gaming audience and we tell them, here's what we do, we use D&D to build social skills, they, they pretty much always go like, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it sounds like yeah, that audience understands the concept. When we when we talk to gamers about what we do, they say, "Oh yeah, I got a lot out of playing D and D when I was growing up. I totally see that. Like what what we are doing, what what Game to Grow does, and what we're doing with Critical Core is a lot of what can happen naturally with a role playing game. A lot of the benefits that come from playing RPGs anyway, we're just doing it very intentionally, and then having this extra layer of module design to really harness that. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of the incidental benefits of playing a role-playing game you're just turning that up to 11 and saying like here's let's do this purposely with that's right uh select audience but it it seems like any not just children on the autism spectrum that this is sort of geared towards but i think these skills benefit everybody absolutely yeah absolutely uh, I was I was just going to say um, one of the things that that sort of interestingly comes up a lot, you know, um, Critical Core is pretty explicitly aimed at um, autism spectrum, uh, but the reality is is like building social skills is something we all do for pretty much our entire lives. Uh, it's something that, that I, I mean, I consider myself a generally very social capable person um, and I'm still building social skills. I'm still figuring out the best ways to, to have social interaction or to, or to improve my social communication with people. And that's true for everyone. And I think the opportunity that um, RPGs present is, is a chance to practice those skills in a, in a safe, welcoming, warm space and to explore opportunities for new ways to communicate that 
that I might not have had before. Um, and through those opportunities, I get a chance to, to maybe learn some new skills um, that I, I've never done before. So it, what's great about it is that it really doesn't have to be anything related to, to autistic spectrum uh, or autistic individuals. It can really just be anyone has the opportunity to benefit from, from those social experiences and from building the social capacity uh, for interaction. And so these skills of being connected, turn-taking, kind of recognizing emotions, all these different skills that you're talking about, that as a parent who might be out there listening, it's like, oh, I think I think my kid would like this. Um, they don't appear to be on the autism spectrum, so I don't know if that's for me. It sounds like you're very much saying, no, this is for you too. This is for everyone. <laughs> yeah. It really is. I've, I've said this before, and we've talked about this on, on panels. I think the world would be a better place if everybody played role-playing games and i mean that um not that everybody plays role-playing games in their silos but if we people played role-playing games with new people um we you know expanded our table and played with with uh people we don't know so well because i think that gives us an opportunity to learn how to um, learn learn about more about ourselves but also learn more about each other Uh, adam and i just did a panel um at pax uh pax east just this last weekend um where we spoke about uh, why rpgs are good for you um and that one should be on YouTube probably soon, if not already, um, by the time this uh, podcast goes up, um, people should check that out because we talk a lot about the you know inherent benefits of of uh, role playing games and Dungeons and Dragons, Critical Core, um, all of it. But no matter what kind of game you play, and we talk a little bit more about our um, specifically how we use role playing games to to address social skills deficits, and then um, we. Uh, I don't think it was recorded. We talked. We also talked with Ethan Schoonover at uh, Emerald City Comic Con about um, sort of why the world would be uh, better if we if we all played like some of the uh, the ways that we it improves like our our um, executive functioning, our ability to plan ahead, our ability to visualize in three three dimensions, our ability to recognize the strengths of others and the the weaknesses in our own capacities, such that we can rely on each other. There's just so many things that can. Uh, ha- would improve about the world. Like imagine if our uh, uh, political leaders would just sit around and learn about themselves through playing dwarf barbarians. Yeah. Or, or I mean, be, <laughs> being on a team together, imagine, you yeah. know, uh, um, all, all the, all the uh, most important leaders in the world uh, sitting down at a table and rolling dice and having to be on a team together as they, as they overcome challenges mm-hmm. in, a, in a cooperative space. I mean, <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of opportunity to, to get to know each other. Better. And now Making that is an actual play stream that I would watch. I, oh, man. <laughs> I, that would be fascinating. I will run that game. Right. Instead of, <laughs> instead of the UN, it's like UN D and D. The UN D and D. It's probably what it would turn so, into. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that you touched, I kind of going back to this idea that I made a note here when you're when you're saying it, this idea of playing games with with your students or your children, where there isn't a defined winner, because I'm thinking back to the games I played with my friends and you know parents when I was when I was young, and there I can't think of many games where they were cooperative, or where someone didn't there wasn't like a winner and loser, like you would play for five minutes or thirty minutes or. The case of Monopoly for 17 hours and <laughs> yeah, uh, where someone had to win, someone had to lose, and that teaches its own lesson. And with role playing games, there's not that dynamic. I mean, yes, you have the the GM, but it's more about the experience, telling a story, kind of building off what each person is bringing to the table, literally. And 
how, how, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, um, the we're very much from the philosophy that games like uh, Dungeons and Dragons, RPGs like that, are really about the story. Um, they're about creating a, a shared and collaborative space where you get to tell a story together. And the role of the the game master or dungeon master is really to help kind of facilitate that process and help um, provide the necessary boundaries in order for a story to have a creative space. And um, and that's really what we're designing Critical Core to be. That's how we run Game to Grow Groups as, as a philosophy toward um, this collaborative t- storytelling process. And so um, there is something to be said for a value in competitive games. In fact, um, in Game to Grow, uh, often during the summer, we play a lot of other board games and stuff uh, with our, our um, participants. And so we sometimes have competitive games we sometimes have uh, collaborative games or cooperative games um and there's lots of values that can be pulled from many of those different experiences there's even a value that can be pulled from playing monopoly for 17 hours um the real opportunity in turn yes. is the value there <laughs> it builds the character frustration building tolerance. your fortitude <laughs> yeah um but uh but the real secret is understanding what the value is that you're trying to get out of it. Um, and RPGs just have a tremendous opportunity for value. And that's the thing we, we, re- we really want to tap into. And so I'm looking, at, again, just by the time this comes out, the the Kickstarter will have a little under uh, three weeks to, to go. And it looks like for people to to get the digital version of the game, it's it's $30 and... For the physical kit, it's fifty, correct? Correct. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. And so, fifty bucks. What's in the kit? Like, what what do people get with that? So this the breakdown is uh, the others visuals for the uh, stuff we've got in the kit on the Kickstarter, so everybody Which can look go to, great. By the way, yeah, yeah. So I encourage everybody to go to criticalcore.org because the picture will tell a thousand words, and my words won't do it nearly as good of a job describing how awesome the art is that's going to go uh, inside the Critical Core kit. Um, but it really, uh, the the goal here is for it to have everything that you need to play almost right out of the box. So there's pre-made character sheets in there. There's a a player's guide, a game master's guide for how to play the Critical Core box uh, game kit Um, and there's also a dry erase um, map that that, uh, will be in the box and some dice for the players Um, and then there's also the modules in there right now I think we have uh, three modules that were already in the in the kit and then we've got a couple of digital modules modules that are now in stretch goals and then we've also got the facilitators guide which um, is um, you know our best practices so there's a a lot of stuff inside that box kit Um, the art is fantastic we've got um uh, Grant Griffin did a lot of, of the amazing character art that's in there, and we still have a bunch more uh, character art to go. We actually had a funding level, which is all gone now, unfortunately, for your listeners. Uh, but uh, we had an awesome funding level where people could back at a, uh, at a level where they got to submit a picture of themselves and then become an NPC or a character, a piece that's of great. character art, which is yeah. super exciting. And, and um, there's a couple of our friends, uh, that we, our people that we know, our friends and colleagues who backed at that level, so I'm excited to see them as, you know barbarians and whatnot i'm pretty i'm pretty excited about that <laughs> yeah i think there's like a bard barbarian druid and monk character classes that are all checked off now stretch goals so yeah 
It's going to be really exciting. They're like all of our favorite characters, so <laughs> favorite character classes. So that's why we we included them. We also have strong justifications as to why those particular character classes are are great for uh, for kids and great for um, spectrum related challenges, all sorts of stuff. But um, also, I like playing all those. And in in game to grow groups, we already sort of limit the number of pre made characters that we have. If somebody already knows how to play a warlock or a sorcerer, they can totally do those. But we only have one. Uh, you know, spellcaster or one uh, arcane spellcaster right out of the out of the bat. Um, so we've got um, a wizard. That's your that's your spellcaster, um, your classic spellcaster, I should say. Um, and that's for simplicity's sake. It's it makes the game easier if it's like there's there's not as much stuff to keep track of unless you're excited about keeping track of those things. And if you're at a point where you're excited to keep track of all that stuff, then there's a lot of really good, crunchy role-playing games out there. But Critical Core is really designed to take a lot of that crunch out on the front end so you can get into the, the good story aspect of the game. And if, if people are excited about this and back it, when, if it's okay to ask, like when would it, they expect to receive said Critical Core product? Uh, our plan is to have it all distributed by December. Of this year? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's so that we, is, we're we're going to be working holiday. really hard. <laughs> um, yeah. Sure. I wouldn't expect it for Christmas just in case. I would hate for it to have uh, you know disappointed kids on, on Christmas or Hanukkah or anything like that. Um, but uh, our, our goal is to have it there by December. So that is that is our current goal. Things always happen in terms of production. We want to make sure that you know there's no choking hazards and things like that. Um, so we want to um, – we're going to do everything we can to make sure that the quality is super high. Yeah. It's, it's our first priority – uh, to make sure that it's a, a spectacular game and it's it's going to work for everybody, um, and uh, by our projections, we're going to be able to do that by December. <laughs> but okay. there's there's always hiccups. I've watched a lot of Kickstarters have have hiccups, so um, we'll we'll keep that in mind and do our absolute best to try to deliver mm-hmm. it on time. Well, and one of the things about the I think the design and the, the pictures on Games to Grow and uh, the Kickstarter page are useful is that it does look clean. I, I think one of the concerns about playing games for some parents think about role-playing games are like, oh, it's like super complicated or it's going to be hard to get into. This doesn't appear to be one of those boxes where you open it up and there's 10,000 different things you have to organize and piece together. So how intentional was that from your end? Uh, absolutely intentional. Um, I have played lots of games. I still have games that I have not played um, because they are complicated to jump into. Um, and a huge part of that is when you open the box and there's a lot of pieces and there's a lot of stuff to open and and a whole giant thing to, to read through. Um, and so we, we want this to be clean. We want it to be streamlined. Um, that's actually our, our very first stretch goal that we hit was um, uh, just a series of videos of us basically explaining how to play the game at a very basic level really designed to to be able to um, turn to a parent and say here's some instructions here's a here's a quick two minute video or five minute video on on how to play now you're ready to go um and and give them both the support that they need through those materials but also lowering the 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 apparent and observable um, barrier to entry um, as much as possible excellent what are your thoughts so far about just the reception this has received? I know we talked just a little bit about that early on, said it's been a whirlwind this past few weeks. Um, but now that you've maybe had a few days to 
I don't know if decompress is the right word yeah. after three straight, three straight weeks of conventions and just finishing up uh, PAX East. But kind of where, uh, where, what are you thinking about all this? It's, it is um, overwhelming and, and so validating, I guess. Or yeah. um, uh, I, I feel such a tremendous appreciation. And this is yeah. This is this is also the beginning of a whole new chapter in Game to Grow. So we, I, I mentioned before, we do trainings, we do consultations, um, and one of the things that we've seen is that training and consultation still ends up with uh, they have to go and learn a new game. Um, so what Critical Core is going to enable us to do, and which is what's really exciting about some of the Kickstarter funding levels that we have, we have we have levels where people can donate a kit, so they don't have to get themselves a. a a kit at all. If they're not somebody who has kids or has uh, a desire to play with kids, but has a desire to see the life enriching magic of Critical Core get out into the world, they can uh, fund at a level that that'll send a kit to a hospital or a school or a community center. So um, we have the opportunity here to do a lot more explicit training and travel around the world and do trainings with Critical Core kits um, to get. Uh, services to Hong Kong, to get services to Germany, to Brazil. Uh, we've had so much interest from around the world, so we're really excited about really sort of uh, changing the landscape of of services that, that exist um, for this population by really getting it out there into the world and, and creating a new uh, field almost for uh, social skills enrichment. And maybe kind of ending on this topic of kind of building off what's into the future. I know we started off by talking about we were – we first had a conversation on the podcast way back in December 2016, and in the two-plus years since that time, I feel like there's been such an advancement in kind of the, the combination of mental health and role-playing games, where there used to be a lot of people in silos doing things, and now I think through social media, and people have just gotten together, and it's much more vocal, it's much more prominent. Um, you guys are doing your thing. There's other uh, clinicians and researchers and teachers, and there's people out there that are just visibly combining those two issues. You know, I was on the Dragon Talk podcast talking about mental health and gaming a couple of months ago, which was amazing. That was awesome. So it's exciting to see that happening. And I wonder what are your ambitions for where it can go in the future with this blazing success that seems like it's going to get <laughs> better and better hopefully for you guys um, yeah. in the next few weeks uh what does this spur you on to get bigger and bolder ideas What's what's really exciting about this, what you're describing, is that a few years ago, Adam and I did a panel at PAX East. I think it was two years ago. Uh, we did a panel that was about the past, present, and future of therapeutic gaming. And um, our prediction for the future of therapeutic gaming was that um, everyone will leave their silos and start talking to each other. And that we, we will all collectively raise the tide, that we'll raise all the boats and get this out there. And so I love hearing you say that, that that, that has come true. Um, because because that has been the big goal that Adam and I have had since we started doing this was that we would be um, helping other clinicians, other teachers, other other uh, counselors, uh, enthusiasts, gamers, etc., to make the world a better place with games. So I love the fact that that is coming true because um, that has been a big part of our mission since the very beginning uh, was not to sort of keep our cards close to our chest, but really like reach out. So you you know you mentioned other clinicians like almost everybody who's 
doing this right now is like our friends and our colleagues now, which has really been a, a fantastic world. Like I, I can can call up almost everyone um, who's um, doing this on on uh, on a large level. And Megan Connell and and Raphael Bocamazzo and and uh, Jack Breckenstock, they're all like not only just like colleagues that I trust, but also I consider them dear friends, which is really a fantastic world. Um, as far as where where we look to see this going in the future, I want more. <laughs> I want more more of us doing this. And if if Critical Core is the way to make that happen. That's fantastic. But if, if people are using, you know, the gumshoe system to do one on one games, I would love to uh, learn from them about what successes they've had and, and help uh, spread the word. So if if, you know, you're a listener to this podcast and you're using role playing games to make the world a better place in whatever capacity, I'd love to I'd love to hear your stories and, and have an opportunity just to uh, swap knowledge. And it's been amazing just for me. I mean, some of the people you mentioned I've I've interviewed before and have become, you know, friendly with. And I, I need to get to one of these conventions where I, I see pictures of like all these folks I've talked to, like hanging out. It's like, <laughs> oh man, I really need to really need to get out of Minnesota and go visit one of these places. Yeah. It does it does feel like there's a lot of energy, enthusiasm, but also results. There is stuff happening that is really exciting. And I think people are collaborating and, you know, they're doing, uh, you know, campaigns like yourself and just it's um, it's an exciting time. And I'm really excited to see what happens next, because <laughs> <laughs> it seems like anything's possible. Like, you know, if I think if you have an idea and you guys have been working on this for, like you said, eight years now, where they put in a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of like really uh, thoughtful practice and turn this into a product that totally makes sense and is well-made. And I think people are really going to benefit from it. It's, you know, somebody listening now could start that process now and do something in six months or two years and, you know, we'll all be talking about it. So I guess it's just a plug to, if you're passionate about something, go keep running with it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I picture a future where, um, this is a standard practice where people are are engaged. Maybe even there's you know school programs that are dedicated to, to how to use games to help people uh, grow and improve their lives. Um, and I think that's it's a strong possibility. I think that's a strong future that we may have in front of us, um, orienting on play and and games as as important pieces to our lives. And I know that Antioch University, Seattle. Where Adam and I both went to grad school, they have um, a play therapy a certification program and a drama therapy program there. And I do know because the Adam and I went there and we talk about the fact that we got our roots at Antioch, that we've seen um, – we've heard that there are lots of people going to Antioch now in the hopes of using role-playing games in therapy, which is uh, kind of a cool thing just in our backyard that this is becoming more and more of a thing. Yeah, I have this fiction in my head of like instead of like a high school gym class, it's like, all right, I gotta go to game class now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta go play my wizard. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's just I uh, appreciate everything that that you two are doing. If folks have questions, they want to find out more about Critical Core. If they somehow missed it earlier in the show when we were talking about it, how how can they reach you? How can they find out more about Critical Core? 
So they can find out more about Critical Core by visiting criticalcore.org, which will uh, largely redirect them to the Kickstarter page, which has um, all of the information that they could possibly need. Um, I'm thinking at this point between the comments and the uh, um, and the text and the updates and everything in there. Um, if they want to find out more about Game to Grow, they can go to gametogrow.org. Um, we're also on Twitter at, at Game to Grow and on Facebook at Game to Grow, uh, T-O Grow. Um, and uh, we are happy to uh, respond to messages. We are um, being inundated right now with lots of uh, messaging about the uh, Critical Core Kickstarter. So um, a little um, – Bear with us. Yeah, yeah <laughs> bear with us as we are um, playing catch up a little bit on that because we are a, a relatively small organization trying to respond to all these messages. So, um, But pe- people should feel free um, to reach out to us on any of those platforms. We'd be happy to uh, connect. And final, final note, our first podcast for people who have been longtime listeners, we had talked about an example of uh, collaborative world building. And one of the things I wanted you to mention is you have something on DriveThruRPG for, for doing that. Yes. So we actually have um, sort of uh, codified our collaborative homebrew process, and uh, we've now done it on panel. So if you go to gametogrow.org and look at the uh, interviews and appearances page, uh, you can see we actually had uh, a couple of different times we've done it on panels. You can see us uh, do the collaborative homebrew process that we use with Scott Kurtz uh, from Table Titans, which was fantastic. Um, we can also go to, to uh, drive through RPG and search for the rumor system and then find out how we uh, collaborative homebrew with our participants that's that's awesome that's really been on my mind lately i've talked about in different articles different different guests previously just about preparing less and building more with the players as we go and i'm just i'm intrigued by that design process rather than spending a bunch of hours preparing stuff that maybe the players get to maybe they don't um but more just winging it and (laughs) what's it been like on these panels where you do that with the audience Oh, it's, super it's, it's been really fun. This last time we had uh, James Hick and uh, Chris Straub on the panel with us, and it was fun to just watch them make stuff up with the audience too. Um, it, what's great about it is that um, I, th- I think it can be daunting to have that uh, open-ended canvas of, of let's just make some stuff up. And what's great about like the rumor system and the techniques that we use is that they're not open-ended. They have um, boundaries and barriers that help help make it an easier uh, creative process. And that is one of the things that, that makes it so much more fun. Um, just like playing improv um, uh, with your friends, it's a very a super collaborative process where I can offer something and my friend can build on it. Um, and together we then get to both have ownership and we both get to have something that, that is better than what either of us could have come up with on our own. Um, and that's always just an incredible amount of fun. And it's really fun to do in front of an audience uh, because they come up with really wacky stuff when you when you do it, do it all together with the audience. Our, our latest one was a giant golf course. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, where there were all sorts of different um, uh, things themed to our giant golf course that was really fun for over, across an entire continent. 18 holes of doom. Yeah, yeah. And the missing 19th hole. And the the secret missing 19th oh, hole. See, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And you're off and running. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, gentlemen, good luck. I hope this continues to reach all the stretch goals and uh, that it gets out on time. And, you know, good luck with all the future endeavors and hopefully maybe less than two and a half years or so, but maybe we'll uh, 
gather around again and talk about what's next. Yeah, if you ever end up at any cons, let's make sure we, you know, get together and do karaoke or something. Yeah, or in Seattle. There's, there's, a, in the Seattle. there's a, a fantastic song I know about uh, Michael Mellon. <laughs> yes, I've, I've heard that. Some, <laughs> some of our mutual friends in this realm yeah. have... Uh, have uh, become quite the lyricist and created a song <laughs> for me. I should pipe that in as as we're winding down here. I'm I'm the drummer on that track. Uh, I was the videographer <laughs> and the, the extent of my musical abilities. And the man behind the camera. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so thank thank you everyone for listening. Uh, go out check out Critical Core. Check out Games to Grow. Game game to grow, correct? That is correct. Singular yeah. game. Game is a verb. Yeah. yeah. Don't just game. Game to grow. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you for your time, and we'll, I'm sure we'll stay in touch. Cool. That awesome. sounds great. Thank, thank you so, you so much. much. Everything's good. It's Michael Mann!